yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. And a lot of us end up just stuck. It's more comfortable not to move than to step forward in maybe uh, a little bit of an unclear path. And so a lot of us, um, I think it's more natural for us to settle than it is for us to walk into the unknown and the adventure. But I think that's that piece, and God's inviting you. Maybe God has an adventure still yet for you, regardless of what stage of life you're in. Maybe we don't know, or it's a retirement, and I know that's on some people's radars. Maybe it's kids moving away, or job changes, or, you know, church things changing, but we don't know all the details. And, and not that we want to proceed carelessly, um, but, but maybe there's this process of, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to let his word be a lamp to my feet. And a light for my path, even if I don't have everything. And maybe we're in a spot where you need to be nudged to take a step in faith before you see what's next. Um, and that is a scary, scary process. But part of that, if the word is going to be a lamp unto our feet, um, we need to be familiar with the word. We need to be familiar with scripture. We need to be familiar with God's precepts, his teachings. All of the things that are laid out. And so that was one of the habits of the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And looking up, a few weeks ago I shared the definition of a habit, but looking up how long does a habit actually take? And uh, all of the experts have concluded that it takes somewhere between 18 to 254 days. It's real precise and clear, I know. Um, and some, some habits are easier to form. Um, some take a lot longer. Some, some cues, if you will, or things that can help you form a habit um, is, is using the, the idea of cues. Probably most people, they actually even say most people's habit that is most ingrained is their morning ritual. Even if you haven't like written it out, like there's a process. I get up, my dog meets me at the bed, I say good morning. Uh, I walk down the stairs, I go straight to the coffee pot, uh, right? Now, I haven't mapped this all out, but there's a morning ritual that's there. And so one of the, the suggestions is really, if you want to start a new habit, is to attach a habit to something you're already doing. And to use that thing as a cue, right? So I could, if I wanted a habit of, you know, more like just getting into the Word on a daily basis, being committed to teaching, I could put... A Bible verse by the coffee pot the night before. I can intentionally plan, right? And then I go, like, because I'm going there anyways, right? No matter what, I'm going to the coffee pot every morning. Uh, nothing's going to stop me from this destination. Uh, and so if, if we can use, in the process of forming habits, if we can use built-in cues, this is when I do that. Or maybe a verse of the week that you're trying to, to memorize in your, like, by the mirror in your bathroom, and you just know, okay, every time I go and I brush my teeth, because I'm going to go to the mirror anyways, I'm already going to be there, not creating some whole complete system, and it's there, and it just, as I brush my teeth, I read the verse of the week. You can take the bulletin home, stick it right there, and, and but that way the word, or this commitment to teaching, this habit of learning, 
can be something that's regularly there. So one of the ways to increase that is to attach it to something you're already doing and have a cue. Um, most people have smartphones. You can actually set your alarm. Um, and I know some people who are doing the high stress jobs and they have probably five or six times throughout the day where their alarm goes off and it's just a reminder to breathe. Just stop what you're doing and breathe. All right, stop what you're doing, uh, or the habit of gratitude, even. And stop what you're doing and just say three things you're thankful for. Doesn't matter how much of your job or life is stressful, just boom, all right, at lunch I'm gonna stop. I'm thankful for the good weather today. I'm thankful that I have health to be able to get up. I'm thankful that the coffee pot worked this morning, right? Whatever, whatever it is, like build in these habits that are already cued. So smartphones can be a cue. Something you're already doing can be a cue. Um, one of the big pieces, too, that, that they're teaching more and more is the idea of micro habits, right? So how small can you break this thing down? If, if you set habits that are too grand, oftentimes you fail. Like, oh, pastor said we have the discipline of learning. I'm going to read the whole Bible in the next week. Uh, like, if that's the goal you want to go for, more power to you. I'll buy you a coffee as a reward if you actually do that. Um, but that seems a little too big. The odds of failure at that establishing uh, a habit or impact are pretty high, right? And so, so even in the process of like, okay, I want to instill a new habit, whether it's a habit of gratitude, a habit of reading scripture, um, habit of exercising, habit of breathing, is to start small. I mean, there's some one-hour breathing meditations out there, but if breathing is a part of your normal habit and you started that, then the chances of you failing or not following through is pretty high. But even exercise. How many of you think you could do one push-up? Right? So maybe that's the habit. I, push-ups a day or 50 push-ups a day or you know if you're more ambitious 100 push-ups a day um, and go here no no that's not my thing right but if you start with a micro habit of like you know what after my coffee every day if I'm building it into a queue I'm gonna do one push-up the chances of being successful are pretty higher maybe you need to modify push-up maybe you're doing maybe you're like whatever but, but it's probably achievable. And then you do that for a while, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to be radical. I'm going to do two push-ups. And maybe one day you're feeling really good, and you, you knock out five or ten all at once. Right? But, but that's, not the, that's not the requirement. What's expected is just one. They do this with writers also, and I'm a horrible writer, um, and need to listen to this next portion is for me. Um, I get to like working on trying to write a book or whatnot, and I'm like, I just, I don't feel like writing, or I, I don't feel inspired, or you know, all of these reasons, and I need to wait for this, oh, but to have a built-in micro habit doesn't matter. Once a day, I'm going to write for five minutes. Or ten minutes. And I may not get very far some days. But other days, I may actually get going, and by like minute eight, I'm like, ah. Oh, now I'm in my channel, and I go for a half hour, or an hour, right? There's those freedom there, but if we, we build the idea with habits, if you set a small habit or a micro habit, you are more likely to actually be able to do it. You're going to feel better about doing it. You, you kind of 
guys start to build on wins, right? Oh, I did it. I did one push-up all week. I can, I can do this, right? You build on wins as opposed to setting too high a goal, too lofty an idea, and then you're feeling defeated, self-shame comes into place, right? You start beating yourself up. Oh, I told you you couldn't do this, right? Sometimes we're our worst critics in our head, um, and it's there. Um, so figure out ways to, to do that. The other is, I just want to end it, as we talk about habits of the early church, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, devotion to scripture, these, these pieces we're looking at, I want to give you free, like, be creative. Sometimes we think, oh, I read a, something and the expert said you had to do it that way. Those are just ideas. Like, forget everything that somebody has said. What is a way, like, what is something creative that works for you? Right? Instill that as a habit. Um, you are all unique people and find something that works. Um, and if it doesn't work, right? Oh, Pastor Stephen suggested this. If it doesn't work, don't do it. It doesn't work for you. <laughs> Somebody else probably has a better idea of something that will work for you. Right? Even the, the idea of studying scripture. Some people really love, like, I need, and I'm a book person. I don't like audiobooks. I don't like ebooks. Like, I need, like, the paper and the binder, and um, I need to write notes in the margin. Um, but some people have really found success with either like, oh, I'm going for a walk, so I'm just going to listen to something. And there's podcasts and all sorts of things out there, right? Find something that works for you. Be creative because uh, there's not just one way, right? But it says 18 days to 254 days to create a new habit. But if you start small, like, I'm never going to get through the Bible. And I know, like, people say that's important. But what if you did one verse a day? Like, by the end of a year, you're at 365 verses. And odds are that a couple days in there, you're going to like, oh, I'm just in a good spot. And you're probably going to read more than a verse a day. And then you start to actually get in the process. And then the whole idea of habits, right, according to the definition, is that it becomes automatic. It's a, it's an instinctual cue that just happens. And so I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just doing it. It's just a part of my routine. It just happens. Um, whether I feel like it or not, whether I'm inspired or not, because it becomes so ritualistic, so habitual that it is a consistent part of your life. And the early Christians devoted themselves uh, to the teaching of the apostles. I also want to read this verse in Romans because I think it fits and applies to this idea of building new habits. Um, as well as kind of why we even read scripture. So Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? The idea of uh, scripture, even this renewing of our mind, and sometimes when it, it's, yeah, we're going to be exposed to new things, but I would actually argue that a lot of us probably have wrong ideas in our mind. We have thoughts or, or things that we come to accept as truth that is not necessarily accurate. And so when we take time to read scripture or commit to teachings 
and why not? It gives it an opportunity to expose wrong thinking in our mind. And Romans 12 even says that we need to have our minds renewed. Right? So uh, I was thinking about the idea of wrong thinking, and I know for me there are um, there are certain people in my life that I think have credibility. Uh, they've proven themselves, and so if we're in a meeting somewhere and somebody says something, or maybe they write something, there are certain times from certain people that it, I just I just grab onto it and I accept it as truth. Well, so and so said this, and they're credible, so I believe it. Uh, I may even go as far as repeat it. And, you know, being a pastor and up front talking, it may actually end up in a sermon. And this thing that maybe I've never even verified, but simply because it's been said or I've accepted as truth, it's now ingrained in me and it's informing my decisions. It's, it's having an impact on how I interact with other people because I've just accepted it as truth. And most of us are holding on to ideas in our head that we were told at some point that aren't true, that aren't helpful. And so part of the commitment and devotion to reading scripture is the ability to rid ourselves of wrong ideas. I've always held this. And sometimes it's even some of that negative self-talk I talked about earlier, like, oh, I told you you couldn't do that. It's a wrong idea, it shouldn't be in your head, right? Oh, you're always failing, oh, this or that, and we just hold on to things that are not actually beneficial or good or perfect, um, as, as the verse says. Uh, specifically for these early church, they were coming out of this whole process, right? So timeline of it. Um, majority of the early converts were of the Jewish tradition. They were still looking for the fulfillment of another king, whatnot, and Jesus came and turned everything upside down. They all had some relearning to do because Jesus had some ideas about how faith was supposed to work that was not being lived out through the system with the Pharisees and Sadducees and all of the rules and the whatnot. And so they had to commit to teaching because they knew they had to rid themselves of some wrong thinking. And I would argue that through the history of the church, while I still believe the church is valuable, there's mass things we can gain from tradition and value, the church, unfortunately, throughout history has not always been right. The church, especially the American church, has been a part of doing great harm at times. It's theology that has been implemented through teaching and even some music that, that is actually, as we, we go to scripture, we look at it, it's not theologically correct. It sounded good in a song, and so we sang it forever, and we just accepted it as true. And so there is wrong thinking that we need to rid ourselves of. And that is why the devotion to the apostles' teaching is important. That is why us forming a habit of learning is important. Um, and it doesn't mean that everything we expose ourselves to is like, oh, this is a new truth. I'm just going to think, oh, okay, well, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't really agree, and here's why. Sometimes that even being able to argue your why is just the sharpening of your beliefs. When I was early in ministry, I worked for a group called Youth for Christ, and uh, it's kind of a collective. So the Baptist, Presbyterian, 
evangelicals, Pentecostals, all of like this whole, we were all just a melting pot of people working for youth, and we would have these um, conventions twice a year. And there was three of us that would end up staying up all night. Like every time we'd get there, uh, I came out, more of the Pentecostal Assemblies of God background. We had another guy that was more conservative Baptist and had switched to Calvary Chapel. And the third guy, I don't remember where he was from, but we did not agree. Like we love Jesus, okay. We love kids, that's why we're working for an organization called Youth for Christ. Um, and some of that, but, but when we started, we get talking about theology, we did not agree. And we would stay up all night debating these things. And one of the things that I learned and just value out of an eclectic um, background is if you only spend time with people who think like you, you do not actually have to defend your argument very well. You don't even really need to know what you're talking about. Because everybody already agrees with you. You can just say like some random, you know, churchy thing and everyone's like, yeah. Or maybe they even have a response to it because we've done these call and response and like they'll say something back and like, yeah, that feels good. We're all in the same camp. Uh, but then you step out of that and you say the same thing and maybe it's still with people who love Jesus, all of that, but, but maybe they have a different theology and they're like, wait, wait what do you mean by that? What do you mean? What, I've never been asked that question. People always just agree with me. What do you mean? What do I mean? Uh, and all of a sudden, we actually have to have an intelligent answer for something we believe in. So sometimes uh, that habit of learning, committing to things, even if it's not something we totally agree with, but we're learning things, it helps us to sharpen and really understand what do we believe in. What are, what are some truths around theology or God and interacting with people, humanity, that we're really going to kind of commit to and hold to. Uh, one of the other reasons they uh, say that devotion to uh, the apostles' teaching and the habit of learning is enable us to make wiser decisions for the future. Uh, and, and what I wanted to talk about here a little bit is uh, progressive revelation. All right, so that's a big fancy theological word. Um, and it's basically the idea that not all things are revealed to us initially. Right? So even in scripture, if you took just the book of Genesis, and that was all you had, that would be an incomplete revelation of who God is. But it was a starting point. Okay, this is God, and there's one God, but God in three persons, this, that. And as even the history of God interacting with humanity, there was this continual revelation or a progressive Revelation for us to understand, like, okay, it's not just the God of, you know, Genesis or even the Old Testament, but then Jesus comes with this further revelation, and we begin to learn more of the characteristic of God, and and then God interacting with humanity, and even the early church, and, and then into the Reformation. There's been this this progressive revelation of who God is. And sometimes, if we're not exposing ourselves, we're in this habit of learning. Some of us are still just, we're stuck back in Genesis, because we got that far. And we thought, I know enough. I've heard enough. I've been to church enough. Did enough Sunday school. Uh, maybe I've even memorized Genesis completely. I could just sit down and start reciting it to you, which would also be impressive if anybody wants to take that as a challenge. You know, go for it. Uh, <laughs> but, but you would be missing 
And so part of the habit of learning, even if you are well-versed in Scripture, you've, you've premature moved on in your relationship with God, the habit of learning is that there's this progressive ability to continue to learn more pieces. Um, I also think this is why, for me, I really appreciate the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Can you put that up? Um, so the Wesleyan quadrilateral, Wesleyan theology, and some people actually mix this around to you a little bit, so there's different variations of this. But it says that our understanding of God, or our revelation of God, is actually dependent on four different things. That, yes, we have Scripture, but that scripture, like one, it's predated, it's set back in time and space. It doesn't account for everything that's been going on through church history. And us, so scripture alone doesn't give us a full understanding or revelation of who God is. That we also, along with scripture, in order for us to understand God, we have to also apply our experience to it. That yes, I read this, but here's been my experience. When I've learned to trust God, here's how he showed up in my life. My experience, along with scripture, begins to influence my understanding of God. Um, now, relying on experience alone can be dangerous because any given day, you can have a good or bad day. My experiences are going to be uh, limited. And so also we have you know, the, the history of the church. And so tradition is part of that. Um, and, and through tradition and reason, we begin to understand, like, oh, this is why the church did this. This is where, even as we look at the habits of the early church, you know, they were gathered to break bread. And that wasn't just communion, right? But it was the sharing of meals because they were sent to people's households. And, and it became this tradition. We, we gather vast understanding and value through tradition. Um, but like I already said, too, some of the church tradition hasn't always been good. We've done a few things wrong over the decades, um, like maybe the Inquisition or the Crusades. You can have you know, arguments around some of that. Um, Salem witch trials, apparently not very good. Uh, so, so some tradition, even again, and so if we just took tradition, then we would be missing clarity about who God is. And so we're going to take scripture, we're going to add to it our experience, and then we're going to add to it tradition. And as we, we lean into all three of those, we begin to get a clearer understanding of who God is, his revelation to us, what he would have of us in time and space. And then the fourth that they add is reason. Right? We add reason to it. There are certain things that we begin to understand and experience things. Logic kicks in, right? There's a point in the world where, you know, science was evil. I mean, the church versus science was like a full-on battle. But, but reason, as people began to learn and we get more knowledge, intellect, we wrestle with things, we begin to see more pieces come into place. And it requires all four of these, Wesley would argue, uh, for us to be able to understand God in order for us to have a, a clearer revelation of who God is. And so there's progressive revelation. And so we have to have this habit of learning because I need to study some of the traditions in order to understand them, if I'm going to understand who God is. I need to take time to reflect on my experiences that I've had to understand clarity about my relationship with God and who God is and what he would have of me. 
I need to spend time reading scripture, even though, you know, you can argue the canon and this and that, but, but there's such value to it that it's still useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking with great patience and careful instruction, right? There's value to it. And we need to do all of these things. We need this habit of learning in order for us to continue to get a clearer understanding of who God is for us, who God is for us as a church and this community, what he would have of us, um, is all important. Um, the other piece here is to enable, I'm running out of time, i got to talk faster, all right, uh, to enable us to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord, right? So, our habits here, we need to rid ourselves of, of wrong ideas, things we've held on to as true or just accepted. We are going to have this habit of learning to enable us to make wiser decisions for the future and understand who God is, what he would have of us, but also to enable us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. And this is where I'm going to lean into really experiential um, pieces, because I think sometimes we learn even a verse, like I've read this verse a hundred times, but I come back to it a different day, and there's something else to it, right? Kind of like there's layers to our understanding, and um, whether you like onions or cake, right? Who would, yeah, I'm sorry, like, uh, don't have time for that. Uh, total rabbit trail on Shrek, if you guys ever watch it. Okay. Uh, but this habit of learning mood, right? We, we have these, these greater experiences, even if it's something we've already learned, right? And so I call these aha and oh yeah moments, right? So the difference between an aha and an oh yeah is um, aha is typically you're learning something new, right? So maybe it's the same experience, you're coming to the same tradition, or you're having a conversation or reading a scripture, but all of a sudden there's a new layer to it. And you're like, aha, I haven't seen that before. Even though you've already read it. Or through a habit of serving, aha, this is what it means to treat somebody with dignity. Or to be present, right? We have these new, even if it's something we've already done. Aha, I learned this. Oh yes, are typically like, oh yeah, I remember that I should have known this already. I've learned that before. Oh yeah, my mom always told me to be nice to people. I should, I should have learned that by now. But every once in a while, we need to be reminded of truths we already know. Because we're forgetful people and bad habits trick in. So, ahas and oh yes. Um, I also think one of the reasons we're learning and looking at scripture and, and that teaching is I do think Sometimes we have these bad habits that are taught or thoughts, but sometimes we have habits that we're not intentional about. We've been using that word intentional a lot in our church over the last six months. Is sometimes we, we grow up in an environment and we just begin modeling what we see. I saw somebody do this. I heard somebody say that. Um, we've been working with my day job at BPM on a, very heavily on trauma-informed care and looking through the lens of that. And there's all sorts of little things we say that are not very trauma-informed. And so we've been learning to capture uh, the habit of just saying something uh, that, especially for people who've been abused or whatnot, that to us it's just a careless saying. Or maybe even with something we would say for a cheap joke, as most people would laugh at it, to realize how oh, that's actually traumatizing to other people or reminding them of abuse they've experienced 
And so for, we're, we're in this process of, and not that it was ever intentional. I'm going to intentionally learn to say things that hurt people, right? It wasn't a goal I set out to do, but because of environment, because I heard it, because I ended up modeling something I saw, sometimes these negative things come into play. And so with the habit of learning, with intentionally going to scripture, we can begin to like, oh, okay, I see that's not necessarily good. It's something I need to get out of the habit of doing um, in order to just care for people better. So these are the three. We, habits of the early church, being devoted to the apostles' teaching, habit of learning, and the reason we need to do this and press into scripture, press into good teaching, have conversations with people who are like-minded and challenging us is to rid ourselves of these wrong ideas, to enable us to make wiser decisions um, now and in the future, and also to enable us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. Um, and so I'm going to encourage you guys as we go through these habits, and we'll probably at the end of this remind everybody of our habits, but I want to encourage you to instill that. Maybe it's a small thing of reading one verse a day. Maybe you need to set up, there's all sorts of apps that will, they will send you a verse of the day straight to your phone. You don't even have to think about it. Your phone will just chirp, boop, and you take a moment and read it. Maybe it's calling somebody or a group Bible study, um, a personal Bible study, and someone just sitting down and reading scripture on your own is challenging. So they make all sorts of books and guides. Right? There are resources out there, and I want to encourage you to be creative in learning a habit of learning, a habit of learning, instilling a habit of learning. Uh, be creative. Find something that works for you because it's important for your growth, your development. Um, and for us to be in a right space to love others well. And it was a habit of the early church and something I think we should model.